All right, well, I'll tell you who I don't want to take me home is uh, Freddie Kitchens. And I don't think many of his Browns players really want to uh, go home with him right now uh, because uh, the season's over. The Cleveland Browns went into Arizona, the giant toaster, to a team who had lost six straight games that had nothing to play for, that had a rookie quarterback, a rookie head coach, the Browns had everything to play for. The Browns, they needed a win to set up what could be, could have been, now obviously it's not, could have been the biggest game at Cleveland Browns Stadium in the history of that stadium next week against the Baltimore Ravens. And they laid one of the biggest eggs I've seen the Browns lay in my... Uh, I guess 32 years of being a fan of the Cleveland Browns. Since I was alive, I was born into this. So, uh, yeah, that was atrocious. There's no other way to uh, say it. There's no other way to try and explain it. And uh, we're gonna hear and we're gonna be here to talk to you about what happened uh, just a little bit ago uh, in the desert. Uh, hello, everybody. This is Dan from LOTL. Uh, I was about to say happy to be with you, but happy is kind of a word that I don't really want to use right now. So uh, we're here, and I'm here with uh, Steven Stefano. Steven, as always, welcome. Thank you. How are you, sir? Stupid question. Um, yeah. yeah, not very well. Yeah, that was uh, that was a very dumb question by me. I don't know why I asked that, but I'm going to give myself this. Stupid idiot. Yep. Uh, this is about how I feel right now. It's over. We are screwed. Yeah. Uh, this is how I feel right now. This is the worst. And this is what I want to say to the Browns right now. Why are you the way that you are? Honestly, every time I try to do something fun or exciting, you make it not that way. I hate so much about the things that you choose to be. It's over, Steve. Yeah. It's over. We have two weeks, two games left to play, but who really gives a damn about those because it's over. It's dead money. I mean... I mean, the Browns are probably going to go into next week and lose 42-3 to against Baltimore. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk about it. There was, an, there was a report that came out today that uh, the Browns are planning on coming back with uh, Freddie Kitchens next year. But there was a caveat at the end of that that said unless there was a uh, horrible collapse. If the Browns, you know, they already laid the egg today and lost out on playoff contention. The way they lost today, and then let's assume they get their butts kicked by Baltimore next week, and then my God, if they go into Cincinnati and lose, I mean that that's obviously a horrible collapse. It's not even so much the final score of today's game that's disheartening. It looks bad whenever you give up thirty-eight points, but my goodness, you had to watch the game to really appreciate just the. Beat down that the Cardinals just the physical beating the Cardinals put on the Browns today. Oh, it started I mean, and it started from the opening kickoff. Yeah, they got absolutely manhandled. Just, yeah. just I, I've I don't think I've seen the Browns get beat <coughs> in the trenches as bad. I mean, this was like watching the Browns from, you know, the one in fifteen, oh and sixteen seasons, 
or maybe some of the, the really bad years we had under Chris Palmer and Pat Shermer when they would go to play Pittsburgh or go to play Baltimore and they would get just physically pounded in the trenches like that. I mean, it was like it was that today. Yeah, let's uh, just just real quick. I want I want to talk about um, th- this one stat line here tells you all you need to know. Kenyon Drake, who was a guy that at the time the winless Miami Dolphins decided that they didn't want on their football team anymore, decided to trade him to the Arizona Cardinals. This was his stat line today. 22 carries, 137 yards, four touchdowns. I got to say, I'm not happy with Miami's general manager because they have given away several players, including Kenyon Drake, Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, several good players that would have been core guys for them who have now come out onto these new teams and they have directly hurt the Browns bad yeah, right? in some of these matchups. Yeah, screw the Dolphins. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of pissed off at whoever their general manager is. Yeah. Well, uh, let's uh, let's get into it. I mean, you, you talked about how we got completely dominated uh, physically and uh, I mentioned that it happened... At the opening kickoff, I mean, Arizona went right down the field with absolutely no resistance at all and scored a touchdown on the opening drive. And the Browns did what the Browns helps you find the t- do. <laughs> Sorry, had the ESPN box score cup uh, <laughs> up on my laptop and the uh, highlight video decided to start playing with the ad at the beginning. Um Anyway, Arizona goes right down the field scores. Uh, that should have been a that should have given us a pretty good idea of how today was going to go. But the Browns did what they normally do uh, on offense. They came back on the next drive. They had some nice plays. They drove, and then uh, what happens? Baker Mayfield throws an absolutely perfect ball to Odell Beckham Jr. down the sidelines. He drops it. Then a couple plays later. Uh, Baker Mayfield tries to find Odell Beckham Jr. in the end zone. And what's been a huge, huge aspect of Baker's game today, his footwork was an absolute mess, and he airballed, airmailed the ball to Odell, and Patrick Peterson picked it off in the end zone. Uh, it's just a microcosm of the season. We sit here now 6-8, and eight, started 2-6, and six, and uh, we just couldn't climb out of that hole. You know, I don't know that the Browns' offense, I mean, they pretty much had to be perfect today to win, given how horrible the defense was. But even today, where they put 24 points on the board, they still had opportunities where they could have done better. You know, that first one you're talking about, they threw the pick in the end zone on, on their first offensive possession. Uh, they left an opportunity go awry. I think it was late in the third quarter, or maybe early in the fourth quarter, where they elected to kick a field goal on oh, fourth and yeah, two. Oh, that's... Uh, which would have made it a one-score game. Instead, Cybert misses that. If they go for it, maybe they get the first down. Maybe they don't. Let's let but let's talk about that for a second. Keep getting the scoring position and coming up empty. <coughs> it's been a problem. It's been a problem all year. Yeah. Let let's uh, let's talk about that for a second because I was uh, live tweeting the game from our uh, Twitter account. Uh, follow if you haven't already at the LOTL podcast. And. Uh, you know, we uh, we talked about. I was watching the game with my brothers, and you know, I tweeted. I just don't understand anything Freddie's trying to accomplish with play calling and game management. None of it makes any sense. Why kick the field goal there when you haven't stopped them on offense all day? And what I was alluding to is, if you're in a game where you have confidence that your defense can maybe uh, stop them, yeah, you kick the field goal to make it a one score game. But you haven't stopped them all day. So, in essence, what does a field goal, even if he makes it, what does a field goal accomplish for you? Nothing. Because it puts it in a one-score game, but what's going to happen? You're going to give the ball back to Arizona, it's going to become a two-score game again. It's hard to disagree with, given how, how poor the defense was all day. You know, I'm almost coming around to your position on this now, because before I was actually, when I saw that it was going to be fourth and two on the 26, I was thinking oh, crap, they're going to go for it. They really should kick it here and make yeah. it a one-score game. But you bring up an awfully good normally, point. I mean, what are the odds they're going to stop them on the other normally side? Normally, I'm with you. Normally, that's, for me, especially when you're going into the fourth quarter, if you're down, 
you want so desperately to make it a one-score game. Because it, when it's a one-score game in the fourth quarter, you don't know what can happen. Especially with a rookie quarterback and a rookie coach on the other sidelines. Right, you, know, you never knows? know if they might get nervous. Kyler they Murray, may start yeah, Kyler Murray has been. Kyler I mean, Murray has been. They haven't been prone. winning. They they're not. You know, Arizona's been losing. You know, all it takes is a couple of bad plays for the the negative psychology to start hitting on their side. Right. You know, the but, problem was yeah, the negative psychology was all over our sidelines, and you could tell because as soon as Freddie Kitchens elected to kick that field goal, uh, Jarvis Landry let him have it on the sidelines, and. That's that's not something you want to see. That and that's the one guy who has well, out of him and Nick Chubb, that the you know one of the two guys that have had a really successful season, and for him to now it seems like bail on Freddie Kitchens uh, with that outburst on the sidelines, you know, giving him a vote of no confidence for saying why the hell aren't you going for it? You know, just give me the damn ball, I'll get the first down. Why are you trying to kick a field goal? And then Cybert misses the field goal. And then after that, it was, I mean, the team, they, they just completely lost it. I I contend that the team quit in the first quarter of that game. Once When we went down 14-0, I think the team knew we were going to lose. It took, it took Freddie Kitchen, it took pulling Freddie Kitchen's teeth to start giving the ball to Nick Chubb for him to start running down the field and get us back into the game uh, for maybe the Browns have some sort of belief. But the problem is... Is Freddie Kitchens <clears throat> once again uh, apparently d- just doesn't want to run the football? Just doesn't. It's reflected in the statistics again today. Nick Chubb had just 17 carries, but ran for 127 yards and a touchdown. That's a 7.5 average, yep. which is outstanding. Uh, compared that with the average per pass, which was only 5.7 yards for Baker Mayfield. Uh, I mean, that just speaks for itself. That's the sort of thing that we've been seeing for much of the year. They had 43 pass attempts. They only had 23 rushing attempts. You know, that is more or less in line with what we've been seeing for almost the entire year. And the problem the problem today, and it was clearly evident, um, and, you know, we now know, we learned this last week, Odell Beckham's been injured the whole year. He's not right. He can't get separation down the field. So why are you consistently trying to throw the ball? Why? You have the... You have I, I've been saying it conservatively, uh, conservatively up till this point, uh, saying he's a top five running back. No, he leads the league in rushing. You have the best running back in the NFL. Use him. Don't don't you know try and throw all these passes. How many how many targets did did uh, Little Beckham had thirteen, uh, which led the team. Kareem Hunt had nine. Jarvis Landry had eight. Yeah, so. If you take the nine from Kareem Hunt, who's a running back, so if you just go uh, for like receivers and tight ends, uh, that's 12, so that's 30. Uh, 21 out of your 30 targets were to OBJ and Jarvis. And they combined for an average of six yards per catch. So we can't throw the ball down the field. So just run the freaking ball instead. Odell Beckham's your deep threat, but he's obviously not right. He's obviously injured. You can't, we can't get anything going down the field. Jar, that's not Jarvis's game. Jarvis, possession receiver, catch everything, get your first downs, you know, blah, blah, blah. But they didn't throw the ball to him either. He had five catches for 23 yards. I mean, it was to the point where when they were throwing downfield the few times that they did today, one time they targeted uh, Damian Ratley, another time they targeted Ricky Seals. <coughs> Uh, which Ricky Seals Jones had Seals two Jones touchdowns. Had a really good game, and I, I feel like he was uh, hard done by on the one play where they they said he fumbled when I I don't think he did. But even so, it's it's just very odd. At the but, at the at the very least, I don't think he ever had possession of that ball. That should have been incomplete, if if anything. But the game was already out of reach at that point anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But um, yeah, I just. This is this is all going back to the tweet that I put out where I just I, I don't understand what Freddie's trying to accomplish with his play calling. Like what what are you trying to do? Run the football. You have the best running back in the NFL. Why does he not why does he not have he consistently doesn't have over 20 carries every game. 17 carries is not enough for Nick Chubb in a football game. It's not and it never will be. 
I don't care if you have Kareem Hunt too. Kareem, it's not like Kareem Hunt. It's not like they split carries and he had four carries. Today four carries. Hunt. Four. So if if you give Chubb targeted eight times in the passing game, well, right? But that, you know that's fine. But if you if you say give Nick Chubb seventeen carries and you give Kareem Hunt fifteen and they're both having success, fine. But the combination of those two running backs who are potentially two of the top five running backs in the NFL to only have twenty carries between them is unacceptable. In a game where you have to win to stay in the playoff race. And also in a game where you know, and it, and it was evident by the opening drive, your defense was going to have a, a hard time stopping anybody. So what do you do? You try and take the air out of the ball and you run the football. I think that's the best point of all here. Because if you see that your defense is struggling, it's just like you said, the best defense is to keep them off the field. Yeah. And the way to do that is to... to run the ball, grind the clock, build up time of possession, wear down the opposing defense, and make the opposing offense sit on the sidelines for a long time, get cold, get tight. That I mean, that's just that's just common sense. But you know, Yeah, I just I can't. The bottom line is, is we could talk about offense until we're blue in the face. They did score 24 points today. Against a lesser team or against a better a team where the Browns would have played better defensively, that might have been enough. Let's face it. You're not going to beat anyone in this league getting completely dominated like you were in the trenches today. I swear to God. This is the worst! Every single time, it seemed, Arizona ran the ball behind the right side of their offensive line. It was like 8, 10, 12 yards every single time. It was unbelievable. And I don't want to hear the excuses of, oh, we didn't have Miles Garrett, we didn't have Olivier Vernon. Well, that doesn't have anything to do with your run defense. But, but well, I, I agree, but uh, we were playing a team that had lost six straight games, guys, and had nothing to play for. Nothing to play for. They lost six straight games. We had everything to play for. And literally everything. To, all the Browns had to do was win this week, and... It, there was they couldn't be eliminated from playoff contention. It didn't matter. It didn't matter what the Texans and Titans game was. It doesn't matter what the Steelers are going to do right now. It didn't matter. Yeah. All the Browns had to do was beat a team that was three nine and one, had lost six games in a row, had a rookie quarterback, had a rookie head coach, have one of the worst defenses in the NFL this year. That's all they had to do. That's it. And we watched Arizona because Arizona was on here locally the last few <coughs> weeks. Uh, we watched them play the Rams. We, they got clobbered on their home field by the Rams. They watched them play Pittsburgh. They were marginally in that game, but you never really got the feeling that they were going to actually beat the Steelers. Yeah, this We've said over and over that we had to be patient. The schedule is really difficult. You've played a lot of quality teams. Seattle, San Francisco, L.A. Rams, Buffalo, Baltimore, uh, even Pittsburgh, which you know, even though they're playing without Ben Roethlisberger, has put together a really good year based on their defense. You just don't. There's just no excuse today. I mean, Arizona coming in had lost six in a row. They were three nine and one. I mean, that's a team you have to beat. Period. Yeah, agreed. I mean, we can we can uh, continue to dissect this until we're blue in the face. But um, what I really want to get to, and I know you and I have differing opinions on this, um, is we need to have a long hard look in the mirror right now about the future of the head coaching position of the Cleveland Browns. And it feels like we've talked we've talked about this ad nauseum on the show, but uh, we have two games left, and the Browns are six and eight. The Browns were supposed to be a lot better than this. The Browns are supposed to be a lot better than this on offense. The reason why Freddie Kitchens uh, got the job was his relationship with Baker Mayfield and uh, his play calling last year. That's obviously taken a huge step back this year. And I don't know if it's because of the added uh, responsibility of being a head coach and being the overall CEO of the football team and being the leader of the football team rather than just worrying about just calling plays every week. But it's obvious that something is not right. And it, I think it's starting to boil over in frustration of the players. You started to see it today. And I have a really bad feeling it's going to get ugly next Sunday because of who we're playing and the fact that we don't have anything to play for anymore. So um, here's something that I wanted to bring up. <clears throat> this is from Freddie Kitchen's uh, post-game press conference. And I really hope this is quoted wrong, but
But this is from 92.3 The Fan. They tweeted this. Uh, Freddie Kitchens after the game. Quote, I thought we were ready to play. I didn't do a good enough job of getting them ready to play. Yeah. That was one right back that was, off of that's, the other? That's the quote. Freddie Kitchens really does a good job of saying <coughs> when he doesn't do a good enough job of doing something. Yeah. Which, I, there's there's two ways you could look at that. One would be, well, it's admirable the guy admits when he does wrong, but at the same time, it does get tiring when it is something that just continually happens. Yeah. Dustin Fox tweeted, um, serious question for the fans. Do you think, do you feel the team quit today? What do you think? Do you think the team quit today? No, I don't think so because they were down 14 nothing. They got back to within four on a couple of occasions. Really, all they you were in a situation where before halftime and then again late in the third quarter, you really needed the defense to step up and make a stop and get the ball back for the offense to where they had the ball down four and had a chance to take the lead. And the defense just was not able to do that today. I, you know, once it got okay, once Cybert missed the field goal and you had some of the players mouthing off toward Kitchens on the sideline. You know, you could say, all right, maybe they were waving the white flag at that point. But that that that's where I was gonna go. I, I don't I don't think they came into the game uh with a mindset of uh let's just pack it in and uh start planning our uh vacations early. Um I thought the overall energy of the team completely shifted when Freddie decided to try and kick the field goal there. Down by 11? Down by 11, yeah. 28-17. Right. Um, obviously, you saw it with uh, Jarvis Landry coming off the field. Uh, he, he obviously didn't uh, didn't agree with it, and he, they showed him ad nauseum for the next 10 minutes after that decision on the sidelines. I think the CBS uh, crew was hoping for a sideline blow-up, but uh, he was obviously really dejected. Um, I can't really say that the defense quit after that because they didn't show it. They didn't get off the bus at all. No, uh, for the entire game. They I mean, didn't. it's an it was an absolutely atrocious performance. And I'll say it: there was a report that came out yesterday about Joe Schobert, uh, you know, wanting a new contract, and the Browns uh, saying that they're seemingly willing to uh, either ride it out into free agency and let him test the market himself, or flat out just let him walk. He did not do a lot to help his cause today. I thought Joe Schobert played his worst game as a Cleveland Brown today. Uh, he missed a number of tackles. I thought he was out of position on a number of plays. I think that's why you saw Kenyon Drake uh, run wild once he got past the defensive line. Joe Sherbert wasn't in the right spot in a lot of plays. Um, so, you know, I'm just going to tell it like it is on that. Everybody everybody here wants to crown Joe Sherbert just because he's played a few, a few good games. And I would re-sign Joe Sherbert. I would bring him back, but... You know, I'm not going to sit here and say that Joe Schobert is the reason why uh, the Browns' defense plays well or not. Um, he didn't play well today, and it was pretty evident. So, what that what what that means for his future, I don't know. I would like to see Joe Schobert back because I do think he's a quality linebacker. But I think we need to just because a guy makes a couple interceptions and and has a hundred tackles in a season, we need to not freak out and. Uh, say that we need to sign him to a $50 million contract when the Browns are going to have a lot of decisions to make on contracts to give out. You know, Miles Garrett's going to come back next year. They're going to need to give him a an enormous contract. Um, you know, it's just there's a lot of, lot of stuff well, to think about. Well, one thing is very obvious. The Browns would be just ridiculously dumb to not bring Miles Garrett back. It's It's... So painfully obvious how badly the Browns are missing him. I actually thought they were missing him worse a few weeks ago against Pittsburgh when we were not able to generate any sort of pressure against Duck Hodges. Today, it was more of just the physical manhandling. I don't know how much of an impact that Garrett would have had on this game. But you you have to make a concerted effort to keep <coughs> you guys here. And I'm, I'm a little worried now. This whole thing about Kitchens, like if Kitchens goes... What does that mean? Does that mean guys like Joe Schobert are out? Does that mean Odell Beckham Jr. is out? You know, how much are they going to blow this thing up? Like, that's that's where I'm really starting to worry now, based after today. 
Yeah, I don't think there's really a relation between the head coach getting fired and, and players getting let go. Um, I think that guys like Odell Beckham uh, would welcome a change in head coach, honestly. I think that's one of Odell Beckham's biggest frustrations. I think one is uh, he hasn't been able to be healthy this year, so he feels like he's he hasn't been able to be the player that he is. And number two, I don't I, I don't feel like he feels that he's being put in the best positions to be successful with the with the the abilities that he can physically give the team because of where he's being put. And to be honest with you, uh, if if they're not going to make a change at head coach, uh, at the very least, they need to make a change at the coordinator level. I still don't know what the hell Todd Munkin does on the, for this football team. I really don't. Like, what do you do? Not doing much of anything based on what you're not saying. you're not you're not coaching the quarterback because Baker Mayfield's having a horrendous year, and his mechanics and his footwork are all out of whack. Uh, don't even get me started on the actual quarterback coach. I, that and that's Freddie Kitchen's guy, Ryan uh, Ryan Lindley. Uh, he needs to get his ass on a bus and get the hell out of town because he's been terrible. Um, it's just you know something's going to happen. They can, they're not going to bring this entire group back next year I think personally and I've I I can't remember which game it was it was probably the Denver game where I was like okay this this guy's you can get rid of him and I know it's firing another coach after one year but I I just I, I don't see Freddie Kitchens getting better and that scares me if we bring him back because I don't see him getting better that just means that I see regression happening, and that would mean that would be two wasted years. I don't think we need to be scared about keeping a guy as a head coach just because he only got one year. I think what you have to consider here, though, is this. Do you really <coughs> think after you, let's say you do fire kitchens, you, you send them packing after one season, what are the odds that you're going to get a coach that's higher than what Kitchens had on his resume coming into this year to commit to the Browns? I think the odds of that are next to zero. Well, that's the question that they have to ask themselves. I mean, do they feel like that uh, they can make this an attractive job? And the talent on the team speaks for itself. Um you know, I don't know. There's there's all these rumors about Mike McCarthy because of the connections that he has with the front office here. Uh, I don't know. Uh, obviously, I think Mike McCarthy would be an enormous step up from Freddie Kitchens. Uh, but, you know, like you said. It, I think you have to, if you're the Browns, you have to have some sort of a some sort of knowledge that a guy like McCarthy is coming to fire kitchens because otherwise right. you're just it's just a fool's errand. Right. No, they have to have a plan and they have to be able to execute that plan if they're going to make the change. They can't just fire the guy and be like, okay, let's go find a head coach. They need to it's it's a lot like what you see like in your like like soccer over in Europe, you see this more often. You see guys getting fired after half a year on the job or a year on the job or whatever. You happen it happens all the time. And there are always these back channel conversations that happen to where you basically have a guy in place, and then those clubs go ahead and sack the coach that they have. You saw it with, with uh, you know, I'm not going to get all soccer on, on here, but it just happened with Tottenham. Tottenham mm-hmm. had a, Tottenham had a, there's no way Tottenham didn't have a deal already in place when they sacked uh, Mauricio Pochettino uh, with, then to hire Jose Mourinho within 12 hours of, of that happening. True. There's no way. So I it, it doesn't have to be that. Uh, extreme, but I'm sorry if you don't if you don't think John Dorsey's already had conversations with Mike McCarthy, I think you're, you know, silly. You got to screw loose, bro. Right. Yeah. And it's not and it's not even like hey, it's not even Dorsey going and say hey we're gonna make a coaching change at the end of the year. Do you want the job? It's just talk. I mean they they worked together in Green Bay for how long? Long time. It's it, it's Many just years. you know it's it's them being like hey you know. Uh, uh, you're probably gonna want to get back into coaching. Uh, you know, keep us in mind. Let's talk after the year. And if you're, gonna, if you're like gonna model your franchise around any franchises in the NFL, 
Like Green Bay is definitely one of the ones that you want to model it after. Of course. And Green Bay has had consistent, pretty consistent success <coughs> for most of the last 10, 15, 20. Actually, you go back 20, 25 years when they had Brett Favre. Yeah. Um, they, I mean, when they're down, they're usually not down for very long. You know, aside from New England, like who else has been as consistently good as Green Bay over the last 25 years? I mean, very few as, teams. As much as I hate maybe? to say it, Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, I mean, Baltimore I, to, to a lesser extent, Baltimore. Yeah, I would say over the Seattle, last perhaps? over the last decade, Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, the Green Bay is a model franchise, but yeah. I, you know, I just to me, it's to me, it's not a good enough excuse to not make a head coaching cha- change just because you don't want to ch- change another guy after a year. The bigger problem to me is the fact that the, it, it – and John Dorsey ran this coaching search, but ultimately it was the Haslam say. It's the complete ineptitude of this ownership group to be able to find the right guy to be the coach of the Browns. They can't do it. And 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 and, and they, have, they have the reputation of having a quick trigger on these sort of situations, but name me one time – where they fired a coach, and you go back to the learner days. Name me a time where they fired a coach, and it was the wrong decision. Rob Chudzinski, absolutely. I was furious when they made that but you, decision. But you, but you can't, but you can't prove that because he's never gotten another chance as a head coach. I'm talking about, I'm talking about the Browns firing a guy, and then him going on and having success as a as a coach or even a coordinator uh, at another spot. Probably Romeo Cornell. I mean, coordinator. Yeah, I would say Romeo. Yeah, I mean, he never made it back to the head coaching ranks. <coughs> I mean, he's 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 proven that he's he's a good D coordinator. Yeah, but even I mean, even like uh, Cornell. Cornell was the head. He wasn't he's head the, coach he, for one or two years. He he's had the, three years he, on the job. Four years actually. Four years on the job. Yeah, I, so, I, he's been our best coach since '99. Yeah, I mean, so the problem to me, Davis, I mean. the problem to me is not the quick trigger on the the ownership team. The problem is is they don't get the right guy in the first place. So I think that's something that that they need to they need to look within themselves and stop with this uh, uh, corn fairy search and whatever this search engine thing that they always use. Uh, they didn't this last time, but um, yeah. I, I don't know where they go from here, but to me, it's not a good enough excuse to not fire Freddie Kitchens just because you don't want to fire a head coach after one season again. It's not. You're jeopardizing the future of this franchise, and you have to be able to make make the tough decision to do it. In my opinion, that's firing Freddie Kitchens because I you might think I'm crazy, but I think the Browns are going to finish 6-10. and 10. I think they're going to lose out. I even think they're going to lose the Bengals in the last game of the year. I think they're going to get throttled next week, obviously. They're playing the Ravens. And the Ravens still have to play their starters next week because New England won. So, I mean... You know, it's funny that you bring up the the necessity to fire Kitchens for the long term. God, I feel like that's where I, I disagree completely. I feel like the Browns are in position to do even more long-term damage by firing Kitchens. I think you could end up with somebody worse and you could end up, but, but that would actually be not so much coaching driven as general manager driven. I, I really am deathly fearful of a situation where if Kitchens goes, that means that Beckham and Schobert and a bunch of these other guys are going to go too. And you're going to be left with a situation like what you had in the Browns in 2009. At the end of the 2008 season, we saw drones, Edwards, Winslow, all these really good players just, yeah, you know, the Browns just completely blew it up after they had a year where it just didn't didn't work in 2008, and they just floundered in the wilderness for the next five, six years. I'm really fearful of a situation like that right now. I, I don't, I don't think he, I don't think that's going to happen <clears throat> because when they did that in 08, what happened was. I would be fearful of that happening as if as if the ownership uh, blew everything up, in which case, meaning firing John Dorsey as well. Because the situation you're talking about, uh, they, they fired, they fired everybody. As well. They fired yes. everybody, and they brought in Coquinas and Mancini, and we all know how that worked out. <laughs> but 
I think if you keep the GM and the front office structure in place, I don't think the roster blow up happens. Yeah, maybe maybe a guy like Schobert you let walk because you don't want to overpay for him because you know you have guys like Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, and you know hopefully Baker has a bounce back season next year, and you got guys like Baker that you got to worry about paying big big contracts to. The Browns aren't going to be able to keep everybody. So if Joe Schobert's got to be the guy that sacrificed and they let him walk, so be it. I mean, nobody ever won or lost a Super Bowl because whether they had a middle linebacker or not. I mean, our fan, the Browns fans need to stop freaking out about whether Joe Schobert's going to be here next year. The guy's a good player. He's not fantastic. He's not great. But I would agree with your sentiment if the entire organization was getting blown up in front the Haslam's decide to make a move from John Dorsey too, which I just don't see happening. <clears throat> I think the last question we have to consider is this. Are the Browns ever going to be successful with Jimmy Haslam as the owner? Oh, oh, oh man. Man, we could do an hour and a half on that. Uh, it's yet to be seen. He's been the owner since... 2012. Because as much as we want to throw kitchens under the bus, you gotta admit. Oh, it that starts a lot at the of this, top. This comes from oh, ownership. Oh, absolutely, it comes from the top. And like I said, like I go back, this comes from them putting the people in place to do the job, and they haven't been able to do it yet. You know, John Dorsey's probably been the most successful general manager that we've had as far as uh, obtaining talent, but he made a big swing and a miss on his uh, evaluation for who should be head coach. And his recommendation as Freddie Kitchens. Um, but yeah, I I mean, it's yet to be seen. This is the seventh season of the Haslam ownership, and it's, it's a category got, five disaster. It's gotta be the worst record of the first seven years of any ownership in the NFL. It has to be. I mean, they went one and thirty one in two seasons. Yeah. That that is historically bad ineptitude. I mean, we're we're thirteen, sixteen, and one in the last two. So the last two seasons haven't been terrible, but you know, before that, I mean, it's just bad. It's bad. But anyway, like you said, that's a great question. That might be a question on our season uh, wrap up show. How did we get here? Like for all of the optimism <coughs> that we had at the start of the season, for all of the talk, and and we. Even when the season started, we ragged on Pittsburgh after week three when they started 0-3. We ragged on Baltimore after we went to Baltimore and, and knocked them out cold, almost like how Arizona did to us today. In the end, it's the same old stuff. Well, I'll tell, I'll tell you what. The playoffs. Pittsburgh's probably going to the playoffs. They for sure are if they beat Buffalo tonight. I'll tell you what. And you brought you brought Pittsburgh up, and this is a this is a clear. Uh, reason that I'll put in my cap for why I think Freddie Kitchen should be fired. Mike Tomlin, who I believe, uh, assuming that the Steelers go on to make the playoffs, should be coach of the year. This guy is on his fourth quarterback. Uh, over the last two years, he lost his Pro Bowl running back, uh, his Pro Bowl receiver, who was probably the best receiver in the NFL. Uh, his Hall of Fame quarterback broke his elbow. And like I said, they're now on to their fourth quarterback. And they've won seven out of eight and are going to the playoffs. Freddie Kitchens, who the Browns really haven't had much uh, you know, bad luck with injuries this year, uh, started two and six and woefully underperformed uh, expectations this year. So in a vacuum, in a vacuum, if you put Mike Tomlin and uh Freddie Kitchens, it, could you imagine? Could you imagine where the Browns would be right now if those two teams switched head coaches? Just imagine. And and then the craziest thing about this, and I will end with this: there are still fans in that stupid freaking city, two hours southeast of us, that don't want him as their head coach. They are utter lunatics. You know what our friend Casey told me after we won the Thursday night game against Pittsburgh? <coughs> he said the Steelers were, were about to implode and that Mike Tomlin's going to be fired at the end yeah, of the season. Well, but That's got to be the worst take I've seen from anyone this entire season. I, Mike Tomlin should be the coach of the year. I don't think there's... I, I, think, mean, Mike, I, think Mike I don't Tomlin, even know who else you could give it to, honestly. I think Mike Tomlin is a top 
top five, top three head coach in the NFL. I honestly do. I would give up three first-round picks to trade for Mike Tomlin. Three. I'd trade away pretty much everything to swap <laughs> the Haslam's for the Roonies. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing with, the, with those two organizations. And you know what the crazy thing is? The Haslam's were minority owners of the Steelers before they bought the Browns. You would think that some of the knowledge, some of the culture, some of something would come over with them from Pittsburgh. No, we're just going to fly it from the seat of our pants and just make this, you know, do, do, hire this guy, hire that guy, blah, 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 uh, defraud $90 million uh, from truckers and trucking companies. You know, we're just going to, you know, do all that. But that's beside the point. Maybe we'd be better off <coughs> today if he had gone to jail in the pilot flying J scandal and they would have had to sell. Uh, yeah, they probably wouldn't have had to sell. It would be his son-in-law that would be owning the team, who's the successor of the ownership anyway, hmm. JW. So, But anyway, uh, real quick, if you just want to go over the results uh, today, uh, we're going a little late, but I uh, just want to get that in. The scenarios really don't mean obviously don't mean anything for us now because the Browns couldn't take care of their own damn business, but... Um, just if you could go through some of the scores from uh, from today's games, and uh, there was there were a few a few doozies. Sure, I'm going back to Thursday. Baltimore obviously pounded the Jets. They clinched the AFC North title in doing so. Yep. They're in line to be the number one seed in the in the AFC, and they can actually lock that up next week with a victory. That should be us. That should be us. Oh my god! And we thought it was going to be. And we thought it was going to be us after week four when we went in there and kicked their ass yeah. in Baltimore. What happened? They've they've gone ten and zero since we've gone four and six. I mean, even if the Browns were playing well, like you can't say that we'd be out of them because they've they've just been unbelievable. But uh, anyway, going to Sunday's scores here, you got the Packers twenty one to thirteen over the Bears. The Bears nearly tied this game on a miraculous play at the end of regulation, <coughs> and that but effectively ends the Bears season. As it turns out, the Bears are done. Packers look like they're going to win the NFC North title. Yep, probably. I mean, the Vikings are still in it. The Vikings took out the Chargers thirty nine to ten today. Oof. So uh, those two teams have to play again. I think the last week of the season. So there could be a lot on the line there. Uh, in a game that we thought was going to be important for us in terms of playoff scenarios, the Texans took out the Titans 24-21. Yep. Uh, Houston is now 9-5. and They're on top of the AFC South. Yep. Titans are now in a situation where they probably need to win the last two games to get to the postseason. Um, in a back-and-forth tussle this afternoon, the Eagles pulled it out against the Redskins, winning 37-27. to They had a funny backdoor cover on the <laughs> final play of the game when Dwayne Haskins was trying to lateral and they took it in for a touchdown so all the people that bet on Washington are hanging themselves right now yep uh, the Jet you want a team that feels the way we do right now the Oakland Raiders played their final game oh. at Oakland Coliseum today and they, they they were in the same situation as the Browns they needed to win today they needed to win out to get to the postseason they lost at home to the Jaguars 20-16 to yep and they, were, they were winning that game uh, most of the way throughout. Very, very, very rough for that. That was their last game in Oakland. Their final two games of the season are on the road. They'll be headed to Las Vegas next year. One team that's on an uptrend here toward the end of the year, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They won again today, beating the Detroit Lions 38-17. Maybe looks like they might be a team that people might look at going into next year. Uh, who knows? Patriots took out the Bengals 34 to 13. That's really no surprise. New England's now 11 and 3. The Chiefs won again today. They win 23 to 3 in a snowstorm against the Broncos. Who owna the Chiefs? The Chiefs are probably kicking themselves that they lost so many games early because they really ought to be the two or the one seed in the AFC. Instead, they're going to have to play an extra game and then they're going to have to probably go to Foxborough. I know they won there already, but going there in the playoffs is still going to be a tall order for them. Um, Seahawks were a winner today, thirty to twenty-four. They're now eleven and three on the season, and they are now the top seed in the NFC because the 49ers shockingly were beaten by the I Falcons at home, twenty-nine twenty-two. The 49ers falling to eleven and three, and that place knocks them down to the fifth seed. And they're now all of a sudden looking at having to win in Seattle on the final week of the season to win the NFC West. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be willing to bet on that happening. 
Right. I mean, Seattle's a very difficult place to win. Um, I mentioned the Eagles before winning today. The Cowboys looked really good today. They defeated the Rams 44-21. to That is a really miserable defeat for the Rams. Cowboys fans of, will say, where the heck has that been? For the Rams, this is a nasty defeat. I don't think they're... That pretty mu- I mean, that, they're that, pretty much they're, out at this yeah, point. Yeah, they're, they're, they're now where the Browns were this week, where they have probably a 2% chance of getting in. Yeah, the Vikings are 10-4. and four. They <coughs> have to catch... The Vikings to get in. They're two games behind with two to go. Yeah. Uh, Cowboys are now seven and seven. They're tied with the Eagles. They basically up have a winner take all the game. Facto, yeah. The next week in NFC Philadelphia. Championship game. So, um, oh man, my my dad and all my family members out in Philadelphia. They're going to be girded up severely for this one. Oh yeah. Um, coming up tonight, the Bills face the Steelers. The Bills. If they win tonight, we'll still have a shot to win the AFC East. They go to Foxborough next week. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, Pittsburgh! Meanwhile, if Pittsburgh wins, probably going to the playoffs. Monday night, Colts um, need to win to stay alive, but they're in New Orleans. I would expect New Orleans to win that one. So, Saints got to give to <laughs> I guess the last remaining question is, is since you actually, I wouldn't even think we were going to go look at the rest of the league today, but is there anyone you're kind of pulling for at this point now that the Browns are done? Like, are there any teams, maybe Buffalo, maybe somebody who hasn't been there in a long time that has a long-suffering fan base? No, I never, Or do you just not care? I never root for teams like that. Why would I want another city to, that hasn't won, to win, making us look even more ridiculous? Well, the the opposite of that is, um, I don't know, go root for New England to win again. Like, well, I, that, that okay, oh. <laughs> okay, way to go to the way to go to the other end of the spectrum on that one. <clears throat> well, I mean, I've I've said it on uh, LOTL before. When the Browns left in '95, I I started rooting for the Packers. So for me, I probably would hitch my hitch my wagon to the uh, the Packers bandwagon. So, I mean. Uh, they, they, I mean, they are one of those. You know, they call themselves Title Town. They are one of those glory franchises. So I guess, like, oh, you could be front running, whatever. Who cares? There's a lot to like in that franchise. Small market team. Uh, team is owned by the fans. Aaron right. Rodgers, one of the real class acts of the league. They're eleven and three. I believe they're the number two seed in the NFC. Yeah, they, they could be right. Here, in here's it. what, here's what I'll say. Ultimately, as long as it's not Baltimore or Pittsburgh. Agreed. Those are the and I, and I know you'll throw New England in there, but honestly, yeah, right. Honestly, I would rather see New England win another Super Bowl than Baltimore or Pittsburgh. I you you won't get me to say otherwise. I've said I've said on the show that it, it if it wasn't for him playing uh, for the Ravens, I would probably be you know gushing all over Lamar Jackson like everybody else is. But the thought of that guy. Raising the Super Bowl trophy this year in a purple jersey from Baltimore makes me want to throw up. That'd be their third Super Bowl too. Makes me want to throw up. You don't have to worry about Pittsburgh winning the Super Bowl with Dell Hodges. I'm sorry. Even as good as their defense is, I that would be <coughs> as improbable a run as you could ever imagine. Yeah. Well. But Baltimore is a real threat to win. Screw this year. both of them. Well, anyway, that's pretty much going to do it. We went a little long, but uh, we had a lot to talk about. Uh, we're effectively, well, not effectively, we are. We're burying the Browns for this season. Um, I said it. Uh, I tweeted it. I we're lo- both wearing all black, by the way. Yeah, right. We, we I, uh, said we were coming to a wake today. Yeah. That's exactly what we did. I, uh, I, I tweeted it. I said, I love the Browns. I love the NFL. I love football in general. But I cannot wait for this season to be over. I'm so emotionally drained from this season. Everything that's gone on. And we'll do a we'll do a postseason wrap-up show where we will just talk about everything that's happened this season for this football team. And uh, you know, it's gonna suck, but we're gonna do it. So <laughs> it's like that sign from that line from Jackass. This is the brand. Yeah. And it's gonna suck. It's gonna suck. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, Steve, appreciate you joining me um, on the show. And uh, yeah, well, I shout out to my family who yeah. my 
they mother, got on TV. father, brother, uh, aunts, uncles, who all flew out to Your dad Phoenix. wasn't in that picture, though. He must have been in the bathroom or something. Yeah, yeah I mean, who knows? <coughs> he... he was probably putzing around the concourse. <laughs> who knows? I mean, he, he was probably already good spirits with the Eagles winning earlier, but, you know, at, oh, the, yeah. same, at the same time, it's... Yeah, they went out there, you know, thinking, hey, this is a big game. It's one that when they decided to do this months ago that they thought that the Browns would be either on top of the AFC North or at least in the position still to qualify for the playoffs. They didn't think the Cardinals were going to be this good. We all thought it was probably in all likelihood going to be a win. Well, the, instead, Cardinals, the Cardinals aren't good. We just made them look good. Instead, they were witness to the death of the 2019 Browns season. Yep. And... In a way, I'm actually glad that I'm not with them. Yeah, I would, right. I would have been very upset. Oh, that would be a terrible flight home. <laughs> flight, I don't know how long it is. It's going to feel like double. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, thanks for checking us out. You can check out the uh, show at the LOTL podcast. Um, you can uh, check us out on our website, lotlpodcast.com, where we post all of our episodes, our embedded links uh, for that. Um and uh yeah so uh whether you're listening to us on spotify soundcloud or apple podcast give us a like a follow a subscribe or a rating a review all that good stuff we appreciate that as always and uh we will catch you guys next week so for steven i'm dan from lotl and i uh, hope you guys have a uh, great week coming up we'll catch you next week for another episode of living off the land and this time it really is over yeah.